Hey everyone, Siler here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Switch to Flip. We've grown a lot through this first season, and we're excited to announce that our upgraded website can be found at switchtheflip.com. There you can listen to the podcast, read the blog, and even apply to share your story live on the show. Keep up with us on Instagram at switchtheflip with two Ps, and don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for being part of the journey. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Switch to Flip. I'm Roxanne, and we are in Sri Lanka with Styler and Randall now. We are going to talk about my brand today. And I'm from Turkey. I'm half Turkish, half Italian. I grew up in a family that everyone speaks different language, so my brand, it's all about differences, and I'm doing leftover bags from the uh, from the leftover fabrics. It's all about sustainability and upcycling. I'm Randall, and I'm Siler. Uh, Randall and I both come from uni language, singular language speaking families, <laughs> unilingual. We are here in Sri Lanka, soaking in, in another beautiful day with the beautiful Roxanne. And we're really excited to talk to her about her fashion brand and just her as a person growing up in Turkey. Since our last episode with Romy, our initial crew of friends is slowly dwindling away. The golden era is moving on and uh, there's still a lot of great people here, but we are missing Romy. We're missing our friend Lucas and... It's just part of the the seasonal life, and you meet new friends, you become, especially here, really close to these people really quickly, and then some people stick around, some people have to take off. Yeah, this is my last day. I'm going tomorrow back to Turkey. Maybe I will come, maybe I won't, but it's really nice to say goodbye to everyone and be more welcoming to new people. Yeah, it's been been hard to have these goodbyes and they've happened so you know and in the scheme of things a month you know of of meeting someone and and hanging out but like you said we're just every day we're just around a lot of the same people it's such a relaxed lifestyle you just really get to drop in and get to know people here so quickly yeah it's if i don't see somebody for 48 hours it feels like i haven't seen them for two weeks you know fortnight it's i don't know what that means i think it's just how slow time moves here you know it's just it's awesome yeah welcome everyone to switch the flip as you know we are traveling around interviewing people who have kind of gone away from their social expectations and to create something that they love for their lives and roxanne you mentioned that you have a clothing and um, upcycled brand you make bags as well I have seen some of your garments and actually love them so much can you tell us a little bit about uh, what style has an interjection I actually got to wear one of Roxanne's garments during the Solanka festival I, I haven't I forgot to mention this to you really? but I borrowed Fabian's kimono robe yeah. thing the white one I wore it both days that we facilitated our pranayama session at Ajna's Solanka Fest. Guess what, Roxanne? So the first day I walk into the festival and I make eye contact with the Sri Lankan guy when I walk in, right? And I go and set my things down and I'm wearing just this this robe that you designed. And I want to also say that I'm very envious of Fabian for having this robe because it's beautiful. And it's also his prized possession too. So I was very grateful that he let me borrow it. But I go and set my things down. I come back out. And this this guy comes up to me and says, you're dressed so beautifully right now. I have my own fashion brand in Colombo. I want to design something for you that brings out the same beauty as this piece that you're wearing right now. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yes. Okay, yeah, we can do that. So I'm meeting up with him next weekend. And he's currently working on some, I, I don't know what. I yeah, the Siler line. I sent him my measurements, and uh, and so we're doing a little, a little fit and shoot next weekend. 
So actually, this robe it's from my sister. Oh. Yeah, I think I influence her so much because me and my parents we are in textile business. Like I learned from my family, they're in the business since thirty years. So I grew up in their place, and they influenced me so much. Then I studied design. Then I decided to be designer and I worked in several companies for fast fashion and my sister was so much different from us so I think he just she just wanted to be yeah he and she I'm always mixing and she just wanted to be part of us and she started to doing this kimono robes however you call and then I brought them here just to support her because like influencing and supporting it's so important and yeah i'm happy that <laughs> the kimonos has a really nice story <laughs> yeah i was um quite jealous because i didn't even realize you were gonna wear that <laughs> and i obviously we're backpacking here and i think at this point i've cut the sleeves off of one or two of my shirts and I've lost a shirt, so I'm down to like two sleeved shirts. <laughs> so I just opted for no shirt at the Pranayama session, and Siler walks in with this flowing robe, and it's just like, all right. <laughs> it was awesome. My sister is keep asking me every day some photos with the kimonos. If you have one? We had uh, a videography and photography team at the festival, and so I'm waiting on them to get me pictures and video footage from the event so there's definitely some I will pass that on to you but uh yeah that was actually just I literally was leaving the house getting on my bike and it just hit me like Fabian's robe <laughs> <laughs> and so I hit him up and he was luckily like right there and I was able to go by and grab it but anyway um Solanka festival was awesome were you there Roxanne? I was there, sorry, but I have to tell that there is a police situation in this country now because they have election and I was there. Even if you have business visa in this country, I think it's important people need to know that. You can't just come here and sell your stuff and do your things. You have to uh, have a residency visa because and police can catch you and can put you in jail. It's happened to my friends actually. And they came that day when I was selling my stuff and I was so happy for the first time like being in a place like this because the festival was amazing and the people were amazing. And then when police came, I was like, wow, what am I going to do now? And I just had to leave my everything and go. Then I decided to not to come back. Yeah, these situations, I think, like, we all need to know. It's really nice to be in another country and sell your stuff and, like, meet with, meet with new people, but we have to be careful. Like, Sri Lanka is amazing, but it's totally different from our culture. So did you, our friend Tiff was also a vendor there, and she said she just ran when she saw the police. Did you, did you run, or did you have to bribe them, or what happened? I... I was looking at my phone and then I looked front and I saw like five police and I was like, fuck, I left everything. And I, I was like, well, what am I going to do now? I went to toilet and I think there was something, there was someone in the toilet and I just like, okay, I'm leaving now. I just left without looking to anyone and take a tuk-tuk and run away. And it's, it's kind of sad, like, we we are free in Turkey, in Europe, in US, and, like, here you're coming from your beautiful country and you feel like, wow, they're going to take me. Like, it's it's not nice. And, I, yeah, I have to leave everything and run away. And I even left my phone there. It was something that I hadn't even thought about until I was talking to Tiff that day because Randall and I are both here on tourist visas, obviously. And... Yeah, we have to be careful because we've both been playing music. I'm teaching yoga in a couple of different places now, and and Tiff mentioned that to me, and I was like, shit, I'm like a renegade outlaw yoga teacher right now. It's kind of cool. But besides that little fiasco, <laughs> I think the festival is a huge success. I'm really happy for Anastasia and Hunter Adajna. I really feel like it was a launch pad for Renon. 
our um, our pranayama practice, and it, it's really exciting. Looking forward to the summer and seeing where we'll be able to take it. Last thing on Ajna, and I just it was such an incredible weekend. It's such an incredible experience. I have to say a little more. I'm super grateful that we got invited to to help out, and um, wow, just wow, the experience of being in the middle of all that energy with the the handpan one of the other yoga teachers had a handpan and they let us borrow it during the two sessions the first day there was um another yoga teacher there with a gong Mm. and she was just we had just intense moments during the practice we're building up to these musical climaxes and energetic climaxes and the gong and the handpan and the guitar, so much energy. And then taking um, a note from our teacher, Michael, we ended both days with this huge dog pile group hug in the middle and had a, a group ohm, and it was just like a being in a, a beehive. It was such a crazy vibration. Yeah, we we blasted off for sure. We, we took it to the next level. And I think the most exciting thing for me about both days was the improvisation of the of the two days and how different they both were the jessica the sound bather was that what you call her she the gong girl she (coughs) i had just seen that she was going to be holding a workshop after ours and just reached out to her on whatsapp and asked her hey would you like to do a little gong bath during shavasana and might set up your your workshop nicely and she came and and performed the whole time with this. And then on s- Monday, the last day of the festival, we were expecting a speaker system to be there. There was no speaker system, so we had to just pull this audible and go into the middle of everybody, into the middle of the group, instead of being at the front of the yoga shala. And it, it changed everything. The energy was just like converging on us, and we were recycling it back out. And it was just this really, really amazing experience it's also really cool just to be looking around 360 and making eye contact with everyone and that also leads everybody else to be making eye contact with each other you know so it's just this really cohesive experience i almost prefer it that way i'm glad that we had to experiment so roxanne first of all uh could you spell your name for our our audience because i love the way you spell your name and tell us a little bit about why Roxanne, like this, R-O-K-S-A-N. Actually, my name is Roxanne, but it's Roxanne because in Turkish alphabet, we don't have X. That's why they gave me the name Roxanne, but Roxanne has a meaning. It's coming from Persian, and it's it means down. I prefer, like, not down, sun goes down. Okay, is it down or no? Yeah, it's sunset. Yeah, but yeah, it's sunset. I'm the sunset. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and I think I prefer Roxanne than Roxanne because it's more special. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you do in Turkey if something's explicit material? Like in the states, it would be X-rated. What? <laughs> what? I didn't understand. Like. My English is not good. Sometimes I don't understand some words. I'm being silly, but so in America, if some, you know how the movies are rated PG, PG yeah. PG-13, R, if something's X-rated, it's like hardcore and super, also it's associated with pornography a lot of times, so like XXX. We have the X when we use English or another language, but if you want to put in your ID, they just don't. If your name is John, they will write with C-O-N, like John. Yeah, but no, come on, we have that letters. I don't know. <laughs> it's alphabet soup over here. So you mentioned growing up in a multilingual, multicultural family. And you, so you're, so you're half Italian as well. So, how was the experience? Like, what was your first language? How did you kind of navigate all of these languages flying around? Did it come easily to you? 
actually my first language was French because there are too many international schools in Turkey and my dad, uh, sorry, my mom and my grandmother studied in French schools and when my, they, they always speak in French and they were talking in French with me and with my sister but we were like, no, we're gonna talk with you in Turkish. So I always heard French and I'm still hearing the French in at home because they still speak in French but my first language that I speak it's Turkish but I'm talking in Italian with my grandmother time to time not always but yeah it's kind of it's kind of different because I went to an Italian school and my sister went to a French school so I can't speak in French and my sister can speak in Italian it's kind of confusing that's Absolutely amazing. It makes me feel small in your presence. <laughs> what was the kitchen like growing up? Was there more of a predominance toward Italian food or Turkish food? Was there ever some amalgamation of the two? It's totally different story because my family is Jewish at the same time. So we have like mix of Jewish food. I think it's like Israeli food like that come from there but yeah traditional Jewish food mixed with Turkish but another thing that my grandmother actually half German yeah it's so complicated so where are we now like six different cultures seven I think so then my mom parents not parents the uncles and the other families moved to Mexico hey. <laughs> yes so half of my family lives in Mexico now, but the kitchen, I think it's Turkish and little Italian. So what are some Turkish staple dishes? I'm not that familiar with Turkish food. Mostly vegetables with olive oil. Uh, olive oil is so important in Turkish food. So we have all the time at home like, I don't know how to pronounce those vegetables, but you cook vegetables, like, and then after that you put olive oil, and it's so common, and it's so fresh. So, and the meat is so important, like it's so in every dish, but it's most, the country, like it's not in our home. And yeah, we have, it's kind of same like Greek food, yeah, maybe it's more common to make you understand. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> so, okay, random question. We were talking uh, just a few minutes before we started recording about what our own dietary preferences are. So you're eating fish, pescatarian. Siler's mostly vegetarian. I'm kind of I'm eating less meat, but I'm I could never be a vegan because of my food allergies. But um, you, you're saying meat's super important in the in the dishes. Is there um, like a vegetarian community? Are there people? Are there more vegetarians? You think in Turkey that are starting to figure out other ways to bring vegetarian Turkish food into 2020? Because I know where I'm from in Louisiana fish and meat are so important and deep frying everything you know so there's a lot of um newer kind of looks at dishes trying to make cajun food for example healthier or vegetarian so i'm just curious if anything like that's going on in maybe istanbul yeah it's like changing now people are more conscious so about eating meat less and all about sustainability and eating healthy like the conditions are changing it's so new in turkey because we are little behind of europe and us and you the other countries yes we have too many vegetarian options like yeah the the vegetables that i talk about uh, with olive oil they are without meat usually and we have too many salads and everything yeah it's easy to find but yeah, people are getting more conscious. That's why we are, I think, we are changing the trend and we are changing how we eat. 
So did you grow up in Istanbul? Yes, but then I moved to Italy when I was 19. Okay, so you actually lived in Italy also. Got you. And Turkey, I just asked because Turkey is always fascinating me. I'm not really sure what. And Istanbul in particular. I don't know if it's the name or... Because it's the only country between Europe and Asia. Like Istanbul, half of Istanbul is in European side and half of it it's Asian side. And like we have bridges and... We always say, yeah, I'm going to Asian side, and uh, if they're coming from the European side, I'm going to Europe. Like it's, I don't know, it's different. And is the culture very distinct and divided across those bridges? No, but you can feel the difference when you go. Like in Asian side, it's more calm, and European side more crowded and the old city. Yeah. I'm also super fascinated by Turkey and the history there and the music, the art. And actually, book recommendation, I know we've kind of spoken about this, but uh, last year Aslam let me borrow this book called Birds Without Wings. And I'm drawing a blank on the author, but it's, and Roxanne, the first time we met, I, I was telling you about this book, but it's about um, pretty much leading into the First World War, the fall of the Ottoman Empire, the rise of Turkey, um, and so much changed so quickly. It was <laughs> such a cultural revolution, you know? Like, And uh, the country's, what, 100 years old, maybe? Yeah. Or maybe a little more? A little more, a little more. But yes, the, the it changed so fast from empire to country and to republic, so, and as maybe now Atatürk did this and it was it's kind of really good that it's it gets more European but at the same time he changed all the culture so quickly and people had to accept this like from alphabet also like the rights and everything and yeah I think it was really tough time for the people who lives in Turkey and uh, there were too many civil wars about it and too many different cultures we have and now we are like trying to be separate from each other because I don't know too many past we have and changing so quickly in in every way like in everything it's not so much easy as when you were growing up in Istanbul was it a more progressive city like I think I grew up in a bubble so it was easy for me, but if I see Turkey from far, it's really hard country for for women. Like I Istanbul, it's it's like a different country, so you don't feel that much bad things happening around. But being a woman in Turkey, it's really hard because you don't have the rights like the Europe or U.S. or like more developed countries. I mean, it's same in Sri Lanka. You see that everywhere. Like women's are working so hard and the men standing behind or like they're just not doing anything and I'm experiencing this here and I'm now trying to empower women and I'm working with different women here, local women to prepare my collection because I really want to give them a chance. When you said you were living in a bubble, is that because this bubble that your family created for you? Did you grow up in a supportive and more progressive household? Yeah, I think it's it's coming from family. Like, I went to good schools and, like, family is more European. Like, you, you're away from Turkish traditions. So you don't feel it. And also, it's about religion. Like, Turkey is a mostly Muslim country. And my family protected us so much because like there is too many things between Jewish and Muslim people and you can feel it in Turkey and they were protecting us from them from this so that's why I'm saying kinda in a bubble like I had always I lived in a good place I, w I worked in good places because I had a good education because of them thanks to them I mean and that's why I'm saying bubble like here I'm experiencing looking f really far from my life and I'm like I'm so much thankful to them. It sounds like you had 
a really amazing um, support system. And, and honestly, like coming from a family that's been working in the textile industry for so long, going to study that in Milan and now working on your own brand, um, seems like this has been such a... Well, to me, it, it seems like it might, it might have been a pretty clear path for you. Was there ever a point where you were unsure if you'd be working in textiles or maybe when you felt you didn't want to do what your family was doing or have you always been uh, sure of that? I have been always sure about that because my mom influenced me too much. Like She studied design also in Paris when she was... 17 and then she went to university there she moved there uh, so young so i was always watching her while she was working and they started from nothing i know everything like i saw everything without money like it was all happened by chance and by hard working even my brand like it doesn't mean that i grow up in good conditions that i had money from someone or some support like even they didn't believe me so much at the beginning because they wanted to me like same protection they wanted to me see me in a good company working as designer and having money and like a easy life but i wanted to change everything like i wanted to be like them to start from nothing and it's been 4 years now and like i'm seeing their support now because they know that i'm doing something good that must feel really nice how did you come up about the concept of upcycling and how did you first start sourcing your materials? How do you make those relationships? I worked in fast fashion companies like seven years and I was traveling so much. And I, in China, in Korea mostly, I saw how, how there we are, we were wasting the fabrics, like we were doing some samples and then we didn't want to use those fabrics and we were like putting away and forgetting about them. And I started to collect them because I was so sorry about them. Like the production is really hard and it's the most like pollution, it's pollution really, textile is pollution. And I just don't want to create something from new. I had it everything, so. Then I decided to upcycle, and at the first time, I collected in my studio. I have a studio, by the way, in Istanbul. I collected there, and I waited so long to use them, to make them something, but the conscious came from the textile waste. Where are you getting your fabrics from now? Is there somewhere that you really want to go and, and explore new fabrics? Do you have, I'm, I'm sure you're sourcing a lot of stuff here in Sri Lanka right now, but is there, where all of you source from and, and where, what's on your list? I'm sourcing mostly from Turkey, but here now I'm sourcing from uh, handlooms from a factory for in Colombo called Candix. And actually they're doing handlooms, just women, and they're keeping their leftovers and they're upcycling for something different. But I made so many calls with them and like I searched like crazy to find this place and I, I really begged them to to having these leftovers because it's so so special because the women are doing this and by their hand it's like machine. From Turkey I'm collecting leftovers from the machine fabrics, like not not handmade. So I talk with them i went to f i went to their stores then i went to their factories and i was like i really want to do this i showed everything and i promised that i'm gonna donate to the woman so and they really liked what i'm doing now we are doing a collaboration collection oh, wow. yeah. i think that sometimes at least coming from america Sometimes sustainability can be a buzzword. It can be a marketing buzzword, right? And you see a lot of bigger corporations being adopting these social causes just to get a good. I mean, yeah, greenwashing. Yeah, and and you know, I'm I'm happy that they're making changes. But in this case, I really, um, I mean, I really appreciate what you're doing. You're not just reusing fabrics. I I really see the concept behind what you're doing and and it reminds me of when you told me about your grad school thesis 
was it grad school yeah 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 just an undergrad yeah yeah and um so i just imagine studying fashion and maybe you know you do a line or you do uh you, you make some outfits whatever but you had uh, an extremely high concept uh project can you just share a little about that yeah so for me first of all for me fashion is activism so i'm trying to show everyone that i have something inside and i have to show in some way like and creating a line and doing something on fashion it's it's art i mean and i have to show my feelings so my thesis was about istanbul and and how he how the city is changing my family's background like we have too many different cultures and my grandmother lost her family in the concentration camps and i wrote four different chapters about the city how it's changed and for every chapter i made a uh, outfit and it's all it was all all like the outfits I don't know how to explain, but they also big and handmade and dark colors because when you're living in Istanbul, you want to protect yourself. Like it's so big and political and economic issues and like the religion thing, really. Like I'm I'm talking about so comfortable about it, but I grow up when I was growing up, the religion things were was harder. I think it was my expression of protecting myself and yeah do you have any i mean at some point it'd be really cool to s if you have photos of that stuff i just have heard you uh talk about it twice now and i just am ima imagining these outfits but there's no way i could possibly imagine them so i if po i would love to see them at some point but um yeah, I, I remember spinning through the shop you had set up at Mellow a few weeks ago and, and looking at everything. And um, I love the colors of the fabrics and the, the, the texture of them and the bags, too, like the little details, like the, the, the patterns on the straps and everything. It was so nice, you know, it's like the nice little touches. So I'm, ex I mean, I'm excited to see what is coming next in your line. Um, do you have any sort of plans for what you're going to do with these fabrics you're making or you're, you're sourcing from Colombo? Uh, I don't know yet because I have all the fabrics but I know that I want to do something different. It's under wraps. <laughs> the world will have to wait. I wanted to go back and just ask about your experience in Milan, moving there when you were 19. Did you move there to attend Fashion University? Yes, actually, I moved there for uh, for yeah for university. It it was nice, it was easy, but there I experienced something so important: the differences about education from Europe to Turkey. And I studied with Italian people, and I saw how we are behind from Europe, and we are not learning anything about art, culture, music, anything like we. When you're in Turkey, you're really you don't have education, even if you're going to international school. And the hardest part for me, it's I always worked so much, studied so much to understand what's going on in this art school. Understand what exactly? I mean, understanding like what art is and what the city is, what is living in Europe, what is like being more free and it was all different. I don't know how to explain, but it wasn't that much easy. But I love Milan so much, like I'm going often. Can you even imagine what your design work would be like if you had not gone to Milan? You grew up in a textile family and with a mother who had a background in design. So I'm just curious, what you think was imparted from being in Milan, just how much of an influence it had on your actual design work? Actually, I want to tell that studying fashion, to be fashion designer, it's so important because like everyone doing their own line right now, but there are too many stories behind and you learn how to do concept, you learn where to influence, you can 
influence from everything and when you're like the about the education if i stayed in turkey i knew that i'm not going to study fashion or design or art anything because there is no education for that it's better right now by the way but yeah i i learned how to influence and how to see everything clearly so what are some of the things that influence you a lot and when you're coming up with a concept is it um a culture of a place um is it more political you mentioned that you view fashion as activism is it movies or music where do you draw a lot of inspiration from i think i get inspiration from from textures textures everywhere and you need to open your eyes to see like sometimes we we just not seeing everything around us and like the fabrics has different textures and when you when you touch it you feel it like it's it's so important f for me i think yeah the fabric not from the designing something but the material i think about i'm just looking around right now there's so many different types of leaves and plants for example and so many different textures of different barks on palm trees and whatever this tree is right here. <laughs> I, that's a good point in general. We don't see everything around us when we're focused on where you have to be next, your meetings, all these things. And again, I know we've kind of mentioned this before on the podcast, but Sri Lanka just feels like a place you can slow down, take a look around you and really just see, you know, there's, there's so much beauty here. I met this really cool girl at the Ajna Fest, actually, who I know you're leaving tomorrow, and she's actually in India now, too. But her name's Winona, and she has this company called... The New she's my friend. Oh, you're already friends. Yeah, I'm, I met her in my first week here, and I really inspired what she's doing. Yeah, her company, the Nulabar Collective... I'm not I'm not 100% sure on the details. I know that she's also very into empowering women, giving, providing them opportunities uh, for making her clothes and then sourcing her fabric sustainably as well. And I also know that she donates 15% of her profits to orphans around the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she's teaching also kind of dyeing fabrics to to the girls to in the orphanage. And she's just supporting the girls, and she's also making films. She's um, filming the woman around. And once she told me about a woman who drives a tuk-tuk, because we never see yeah. uh, woman drivers around. And I, she told me how she influenced it and how she shocked about it. Then she, actually, she's going to woman's house and see their lives to create her collection. And so so special yeah you had mentioned earlier about uh, the I guess difference in the roles of the, the males and the females here in Sri Lanka and, and last year I noticed also I just don't see many Sri Lankan women unless I'm at a shop or a restaurant or a guest house and yeah, there's just men everywhere just kind of hanging around. Yeah, one thing that I, n I didn't really notice until our friend Danny mentioned it was that when you go to these beach parties or these whatever parties at, at bars and clubs, and there's always Sri Lankan guys, but you never see any young Sri Lankan women around. There's just, it, where are they? I mean, I, I can think of maybe four Sri Lankan girls in their 20s that I know. You know, like Sandu, yeah. Trishala, um, Christina, the, she, the girl that was reading the tarot cards at the Ajna festival. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to me because there are all these guys around. I don't know. So that bothers me a lot, actually. That's why I made my next season collection with Trishala because I wanted to express that. I don't have any Sri Lankan friends here. Even like it's not about woman or it's not about being girl but it's 
we are living here it's a total different topic right now but we are living in Sri Lanka all together and we always had like foreign friends and not Sri Lankan and I feel like I don't know their culture very well I don't hear their language and I want to learn about it but it's really hard like you you don't see them and I met a girl in doctor's house and she was like so scared and I don't know why she was so scared but she was like so sad about about the uh, about the place because she said like I feel so alone because I'm in my country and I don't see any Sri Lankan yeah. people around and that's why I want I made a photo shooting me and Trishala together and I it's expressing about sisterhood and friendship in different cultures in in Sri Lanka. For our listeners, Trishala is a super talented psychedelic Sri Lankan artist. She's really good. I can't wait to see what you guys have in the works. I honestly can't even imagine what could come of that collaboration. But that's happening next year, yeah, next season? Actually, I'm going to post a photo today because today is Women's Day. Sneak peek. (laughs) Yeah, you will see. Follow me on Instagram. It's Marok. And for anyone that needs uh, spelling of that, it is M-A-H underscore R-O-C. What's up, Siler? I just wanted to ask Roxanne what the meaning, if any, behind Maroc is? Yeah, actually Maroc is coming from nomadic culture. It's um, a group of people who lives in Afghanistan. And they have a language called Baluch, but it's kind of similar to Turkish. Ma means moon, Rok means sun. Uh, so kind of, I mean, th- also part of your name too, Rock right so okay so it's making a little sense to me oh i had wanted to just say one thing about uh what we were just talking about oslam expresses that a lot to me when we're out you know like if he's djing or we're out at a bar he's like bro i'm in my country and i'm like the minority it's like i'm at everywhere we go it's just like i'm the only brown guy (laughs) and uh yeah i mean it must be so interesting to live in a place that well he grew up here and i think the the big tourism boom has probably only been happening for the you know last decade decade and a half and it's gotten way bigger in the last five to seven years but um i'm i'm really grateful that you know my introduction to sri lanka was through nikolai who went to school with i believe shafni and um I just came over and immediately met all these great Sri Lankan guys and a few girls too. But um, yeah, if you come here as a tourist and you're just hitting, you know, you go to Marissa, you go to Welagama, you go to Unawatuna, you're staying at hostels and stuff like this. You, I, honestly, you might go your whole trip without like really befriending someone that's from here. And that just blows my mind. It's totally possible, man. And I'm so grateful that we're in the situation we are. Aslam and his friends are so welcoming to us. And it's really great just to be around them and hear them speaking Sinali all the time and, and just getting all these insider tips, getting taken to great food places. In the in the vein of Michael Brian Baker, we have been brought up in the lineage and we we <laughs> we will uphold the lineage, man. Like I, I just love trying to get it as in touch with those local roots as possible. I'm embarrassed to say I, I have not made any progress in my Sinhali other than yes and no, really. I haven't committed anything to memory yet. And I've been here a month and a half now, and that's just unacceptable. I feel you, man. Last year I had the same kind of issue. Like, I hadn't learned any Sinhala. I know that Kadi means shop. Is it Sinhala? It's like. Singalese, yeah, I, you know. Isn't it Singalese? I've heard that. I've heard <laughs> Sinhala. Uh, so clearly, if we don't even know the name of the language, we're, f- <laughs> we're, great, we have some work to do. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we were in India in 2015, we learned a, l- we learned a good amount of Hindi. Yeah, we had a, we had a notebook, and actually in Rishikesh, uh, 
Amal, the one of the chicks that was working at the place we stayed, she gave us her binder. It was like this elementary school, how to learn Hindi kind of thing. But it's amazing how much respect you just get from tuk drivers and from you know hawkers and merchants, and they'll it, it'll make your trip a lot easier. People will just like they'll either respect you or they'll back off, which in either situation can be really <laughs> really handy. Yeah, definitely. You can. Um if someone's trying to pester you to to buy something in India, I, I would definitely recommend learning a few haggling words. Or if you just want to get a better price, because you know if someone's trying to charge you the tourist tax, yeah, you'd be like, "Bahadziara is too much. Come, Caro, bring the price down." What was it? Uh, Kitnahe? How much is it? I don't know. Hindi. Got to go back to India soon, I think, and and brush up. So what's your plan? You're departing tomorrow, Roxanne, and uh, going to Turkey. Is there anything happening um, in Turkey? Yeah, we have an exhibition in two weeks. Like the, It's called God Save the Generation Y. Me and my other friends and other people that I don't know, we're going to make a pop-up event, and we will sell our stuff, and we will show everyone that we are supporting each other because we need each other to to live in Turkey and to express ourselves. So there will be some talks. I think I'm going to give a speech about sustainability and my life in Sri Lanka. And there will be some performance. Like I'm not sure at all now what will be happen. I know that we, we are doing something really good and strong. And that's why I'm leaving the country a little early to prepare myself to that. Big moves. That's amazing. <laughs> giving giving talks, you know, that's a that's a, I mean that's an amazing place to be at. I started giving talks like one year ago, yeah, and then my last one is in Soho House. Do you know Soho House? Yeah, and they're international, and it was really amazing because there were too many people that I didn't know them at all, and they were it was so crowded, and everyone came here to talk about my story behind and like. I really amazed that I think everything started from that day because then I started to talk up more about my my background and my feelings and my brand. That's amazing. I I just was thinking about when you said Soho House. Um, my friend in Mumbai, Samyukta Madhu, she's an incredible like visionary digital artist, like super trippy stuff, and she's working on something called Project Asura right now and there uh, she's she's for the last about year i think been creating a lot this whole like cyber mumbai world like uh, she had this little project uh, a few weeks ago where she's kind of like mumbai 30 30 or 30 20 just in, like a thousand years in the future and it's like a it's crazy surveillance state and they have these digital gods that are like watching over you but anyway i think it'd be really cool to at least you know like link the two of you up and then I'd sent you a few other um, fashion brands in, in India that um, may.co and then uh, Gundi yeah Gundi Studios there's a lot there's a lot happening in the fashion industry there too and I really want to get Sam on the podcast I mean I would if we if we go to India we got to stop over in Mumbai for a long weekend see Paloma see Sam do a nice podcast manifesting that that's my manifestation for the day yeah we're coming for you sam and lucas in the north and paloma's a model no maybe maybe we got a little collaboration there as well possibilities are truly endless i feel uh, <laughs> i think you know you were saying uh, um a minute ago about how important it is and how much you need each other you know your fellow artists your fellow designers and that support i think especially when you're building you're in that building phase creating culture and art it's so important and that's the most important support you can have is from your fellow artists and creators and it means so much and i think in, in the music industry for example or just the music culture in in southern california there's a lot of competition you know like everyone's coming out to la coming out to southern california to make it to to rise to the top get their stuff out in front of people and there's a lot of competition and i really think that collaboration's the way you know you have to lift your fellow artists up build something together do your own thing you know but like 
help each other create opportunities, build platforms, and um, kind of a segue into the jam we had at Island Sisters. You know, like we've been going to, I know it was really nice. You were in, in the mountains though, right? Yeah, I was in Ella and I really missed that. I saw the stories and I was like, I have to go there on Sunday. And I texted both of you, are you going to play on Sunday? Yeah. We'll be there. That's that's actually tonight we'll be there. Um, Island Sisters, though, in Weligama. And um, we had been going, you know, like we've talked about it before. We've been going to a lot of open mics and we have had fun experiences and, and expressed also a little for me it's it's kind of gets draining to be just spending so much time to learn covers to entertain people for the five ten minutes you're on stage so um the 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 girls at island sisters gave us a platform to to have a jam night where we curated the musicians from people we've met playing around and we just we made something special we made something for us and it was it was it was uh, honestly a really nice night it was very nice and very well received i got only positive feedback from many different people it's really a testament to what we've been talking about a lot lately that just because you're at a bar just because you're at you know a, a party quote doesn't mean it has to be some super crazy high energy thing like there is so much goodness within just a nice chill vibe letting people relax letting people talk in a normal voice and just like creating ambiance instead of i don't a rave you know yeah it's i don't know if whether it's because we're in a beach tourist area but it seems like everyone wants the pump and dance floor and they want people to be moving around so they can take their videos so then they can promote the next party and all this that's definitely part of it. They think they I, I think promoters and club owners think that, you know, everybody's coming here to party. They're on vacation, they're on holiday, they want to get away and just come party. But yeah, it was I I'm really appreciative to to the Island Sisters for letting us put on that event. Really uh grateful to Angelo Saltamante Saltamante for sharing his slot with us that night and and I think Oh my gosh. We got him loose, we got him chilled out, and then Angelo just hits him with the sounds only he makes, man. He he did an arrangement of Final Countdown that I, I've never even heard anyone cover that by themselves, but just the way he brings his energy and this fun every time he performs, and he's like, anytime he has people up with him, it's the Silly Billy Band, and uh, every time he introduces himself, he's like, ladies and Germany. He's just a <laughs> funny performer, man. He's there to entertain, and I, I, I admire the hell out of that, because I don't know, I don't step onto the stage with that kind of energy, you know? Like, I'm, I'm there to... <laughs> the best compliment I can get is if someone's, like, like pretty much laying on the floor on a pillow, and it's like, dude, that was chill. Like, I kind of dozed off. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to know the vibe that you're trying to project. Like, no, don't don't be someone that you're not. You know, stay true to yourself as an artist. I I remember, I think on episode two of this podcast, we were actually talking. We had just performed at Surfing Wombats the first time. And we were talking about navigating the open mic scene here, trying to figure out what kind of cover sets to put together to get the crowd amped up. Yeah. And and here we are a month later, and like you said, it's just so draining to try and put together these sets to please other people when a much better use of our time is just jamming together working on our own music and you know shopping it out there and if if people don't dig it which hasn't been the case but if they don't dig it then i mean whatever it's our time on the stage we're going to take the set and use it how we want yeah and you know i i think that um we're at a point now where we've done enough things we're playing angel beach on friday uh, nice jam with joe and dasun tabla handpan and guitar again so it's gonna be really nice um but yeah i don't feel like i'm at a point anymore we talked about this with your yoga as well like i think we've established that we have something to offer that's unique and we can find the right place for that and if not i don't want to play there you just I, don't, I, I was asked to play at um an event in marissa i'm not going to name names really exciting opportunity you know um show up 
sound check everything's been pushed back everyone's really stressed out the guys that are running the show have this weird energy about them and um then the the mc gets kind of pissed off that uh the guy i'm playing with doesn't want to go first no one's in a set times so anyway just bad vibes bad vibes and and we're playing our set and halfway through the set you know we're doing our thing and the the guy that was kind of running it the day before i saw him and he was so excited to create an authentic cultural event whatever he's bringing artists to do their thing and he comes up onto the stage mid song and he's like demanding that we play something more upbeat to get the crowd going and i was like well you i was like yesterday you expressed that this was an, an event for artists to be themselves and uh he's like yeah but you can't you read the crowd blah 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 it's like everyone's paying attention they're they're just i'm not playing danceable music but that i'm playing my music and uh i told him to get the f off the stage man like honestly he wasn't paying me <laughs> like 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 fuck off bro like i'm not gonna change that and and you know like now with with the island sisters gym it's just nice to feel like okay we can put something together that you know is what we want to do but you know we got here and we were hitting as many open mics as possible and i was trying to reach out to as many places to teach yoga as possible and just meet people get the foundation down and then once you meet the right people you can scale back consolidate and now we have you know yeah you can begin to build something and now we have I'm juggling four projects right now, and so now it's really important that I manage my time wisely, conserve energy. You know, within honestly, within the month and a half, I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish in, in Sri Lanka, and now it's just building on those things. And I think it's probably the same for you. It's just like everything's happened, and now it's just keep pushing forward on the best parts of those things. Yeah, definitely have to just keep your eye on what we're really here to do you know what the point of this trip was back to september october for us when we decided we wanted to be building this practice and sharing that and there's so much chilling that you can do here there's so many opportunities you can say yes to and you have to you know like when you're trying to build toward where you want to be you have to say yes to opportunities but once you're at a point where you can start saying no to opportunities that's the ticket then you you have enough coming in then you have to be selective but grateful also grateful to Roxanne she was the first person to let me teach yoga in Sri Lanka yeah, so yeah, cheers girl and our first pranayama workshop so Roxanne has put us on thanks girl thank you for your energy by the way when I met with you guys like I was in some point that I need to meet with some nice nice people around me like being in Sri Lanka doesn't mean that you will be happy all the time also. This country is really hard and we are all alone here. And when I see and feel that there are nice people around, I just want to give them opportunity. Like it's being selective by the way. I could give this opportunity to someone else also, but I felt so good with you and thank you for having me today. Yeah, that means a lot. And yeah, I, I remember the first day we met at Mellow um we had the best conversation it was just felt so nice and natural and um i think i even mentioned this podcast to you then and it's just been nice full circle um uh, we have you on right before you leave yeah you definitely mentioned it to me the day after <laughs> and i've been thinking about it ever since so it's so good it's so good that we got to catch you roxanne on the day before you leave and and now i have to tell that these two handsome guys are going to be modeled today in a fashion show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, perfect <laughs> the perfect segue. Um, last year, there was a fashion show at Cafe Ceylon, and our friend Tiff was showing some of her pieces, and Joe from Colored Sound, Joe Jordan, the handpan player, he invited me to jam and also model. I was like, what? You want me to jam and model with you? Yes, I'm down. So uh, they're doing the same kind of event this year, the 2020 fashion show. And um, we'll be there shortly, actually, walking the catwalk, the runway, yeah. <laughs> the runway, man, the runway. But yeah, I guess we need to go get into a makeup and wardrobe. Some help with this hair. You definitely need some help with that hair. 
Roxanne, again, thanks so much for coming on to Switch the Flip. What we're trying to do is go around and share stories of people who are cut from the same cloth, people who are out here doing their own thing, making the world a better place by doing what's right for them and following their passions. So I wish you the best. It was so good to meet you. And I hope we can see each other in Istanbul very soon. Thank you so much. I'm sure that we will find each other again. Thank you. And also, guys, if you're listening out there, it would mean a lot to us if you give us a follow on Spotify, leave us a review on Apple or whatever streaming service you're using. That's going to really help us navigate the algorithms and get our, get our stuff out there beyond our network of friends and out there to inspire more people. So the more you can help us, we really appreciate it. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>